0: Welcome to this podcast from Partner International. You can visit our website, fieldpartner.org, which features free video courses, blogs, podcasts, sermons, and more. Subscribe to this channel, our YouTube channel, or Facebook page to stay updated on our latest resources.
1: Hi, um, I'm Ross Patterson. This is my wife, Christine. Hi. Uh, We're just gonna give a brief introduction. Thanks for coming. Um, Tony served as a missionary with OMF, Overseas Missionary Fellowship, from, uh, in East Malaysia from 1975 to 1983. And then later, I, I think born out of that experience, uh, headed up Equip, which is mission training based in England uh, at Portree Hall. And he and his team pioneered re entry seminars for returning missionaries, holidays for TCKs, and so on. In other words, He was at the forefront of what is a comparatively new science Mm. of actual member care for missionaries. As a 52-year missionary, uh, that didn't exist (laughs) when I kicked off, but folk like Tony have made it happen or begin to happen. For a number of years, he was pastoral carer for Missionary Aviation Fellowship, visiting their teams in Africa on a regular basis. In our work, we know what a huge gift that is when pastoral people go in, Barnabases go in and care for the folk on the field. He's led retreats to refresh mission personnel. He has a God-given passion to help those in Christian service sustain themselves for the long haul of mission. He's an author, retreat leader, mentor, and friend. He's written Working from a Place of Rest and Rhythms of Grace. Now, just a note uh, to say that The last year or so has been pretty hard for Tony. His wife, Evelyn, passed away uh, through quite a difficult, I think, illness. And at the same time, Tony himself got COVID-19. And it wasn't just one of these can't taste everything, but everything is uh, the same. He was, I think, over a 12-day period in hospital. So it was a a serious battle. Um, But what I really want to say is Tony is a long, long long-time friend and uh, it's good to connect with him again. Tony is the kind of guy that you want to cuddle. (laughs) He's he's that kind of guy. So um, I'm gonna hand over to Christine to say a few things and then it's Tony time.
0: Okay, just briefly, Ross mentioned that um, Tony's an author. Um, He wrote Working From A Place Of Rest. And I really want to recommend that because that really impacted my life in this whole, whole regard. And also helped me when I was uh, preparing material for my Crossing Culture 101. Um, that's a course that you can find on fieldpartner.org, and you'll find all the um, all the links um, somewhere in the chat or uh, elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, I also want to recommend his Facebook page. Do follow him. I started following him about around the time that Ross just described, when um, Evelyn was um, in in hospice, and he was actually. Um, catching COVID and then going into um, intensive care, and all the awful train, uh, time he had then. Um, but he was just so exemplary in the way that he walked that out. And I mean, in our stage of life, you want to have people going off before you, showing you that even as you go through the valley of the shadow, um, you know that God is with you. And um, so I want to thank Tony for that. And um, I know that we're going to be all really, really blessed. So do follow Tony, do follow us on Facebook too. And um, anyway, I'm going to hand over to Tony and uh, I know we're in for a treat. Thanks, Tony, very much.
2: Yeah. Good morning, oh. every everybody. Well, it's good morning where I am in Yorkshire in the north of England. Um, <clears throat> it's a great joy to be able to partner with Ross and Christine, who I've known uh, for many years and... Um, were a great help and encouragement uh, to Evelyn and I when we returned from working overseas and were finding our feet again um, here in the UK in pastoral uh, ministry. So this is great joy for me to uh, partner with them and uh, to share in uh, today's uh, seminar. Um, We're going to look at this topic of um, self-care for busy people. I'm going to use a set of slides and uh, they will be available to you um, Uh, afterwards. Um, So you don't need to uh, be scribbling uh, down notes unless you really like scribbling down notes, you can actually uh, watch and see what we have to say. The first question I want to ask this morning is this, is self-care actually uh, valid? And uh, it, it is a real question Uh, Because some people, when you talk about self-care, they they feel slightly uneasy, in in fact, maybe a lot uneasy, because their understanding of Christian ministry and service is that you should give and not to count the cost, that your life should be focused upon other people, and you should not think about yourself and your own needs, which sounds very spiritual, and of course there is some uh, truth in it, we're not to be lazy, uh, we're not to be selfish. And in fact, a sign of spiritual maturity is that I can put the needs of others before my own needs. But if that becomes a way of life in, in the sense that I'm always thinking about other people and never thinking about myself, that becomes actually very dangerous. And um, And what I'm concerned about is that we we're able to sustain ourselves in ministry over the long haul for a lifetime. When I was a young man, I was committed to God and to serving Him. And along with some of my friends, we started uh, preaching and uh, and so on and teaching. And we used to have a little slogan, you know, I want to burn I I want to burn out for God, not rust out, which sounds very. Uh, noble when you're a young person but if you've ever seen somebody struggling with burnout it's not a good place to be and it's not a a healthy approach uh, to life at all so i want to really establish first of all that self-care looking after yourself is a valid thing because if you don't look after yourself you eventually you won't be able to uh, look after other people so if we can go back to uh, the slides uh, adam um so the first my first answer to his self-care valid is this it is the to do with the character of god god is not a slave driver he isn't a pharaoh who asks us to make bricks without giving us straw uh, in fact it's the very opposite of that in exodus uh, chapter three when god sees the misery of his people in slavery in egypt it says that god sees he hears their cry He is concerned for them, and he comes down to help and to relieve their distress. That's the very nature of God. Isaiah 40 talks about God who is the good shepherd, uh, who tends his flock, who gathers them in his arms, who carries them close to his heart, and who leads them. This is the very character of God, the God whom we serve. So he's not going to drive us into the ground. He's not going to take delight and pleasure in seeing us live lives which are exhausted and weary and threadbare. He he is concerned for our well-being. So the character of God. The second one, the second slide, please. Next slide. Is the example of Jesus? Is self-care valid? Well, look at the example of Jesus. I love John chapter 4, verse 6, which is the heart of that book that has been mentioned, working from a place of rest. Because there, we see Jesus sitting down by the well and having a rest. That's what he's doing when the Samaritan woman comes. And everything that happens in that story, her conversion and the revival that breaks out in that Samaritan village of Sychar, it happens because Jesus was doing nothing. He was having a rest. He was sitting Uh, taking some time out, and that's why I speak about working from a place of rest, because we don't have to make things happen, we simply respond to what God is doing. We're not working for God, but we are working with God. You'll see that the pattern in the Gospels, Mark chapter 1, Jesus chose to be alone. Sometimes he would leave the crowds and just go to be by himself, to have solitude, uh, to recover his inner poise, as it were. That's the pattern that he trained his disciples in. He said, come apart with me and rest, because they were rushing around, like we say in English, like headless chickens. They didn't even have time to eat. That's not the lifestyle that Jesus wants for his disciples. He said, come apart with me and get some rest. I I delight to see the way that Jesus made friends with Mary and Martha and Lazarus in that home in Bethany. That became a place of refuge for him, a safe place where he could withdraw uh, from all the pressures and demands he found himself under. And then this incredible verse in John chapter 12, where you read that Jesus actually hid himself. He was in such demand that he went to a secret place where no one knew uh, where he was. So Jesus took time uh, to care for himself. Next slide, please. And here are some wonderful words that Jesus spoke, uh, Matthew chapter 11, and in the message version, it, it, it is just such a beautiful expression of the invitation that he gives to us. It says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Well, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me, watch how I do it learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. When I first came across that paraphrase from Eugene Peterson, my life was packed full of activities and I was weary and I was worn and just a little bit sad. And when I read these words, especially that last part where it says, you'll learn to live freely and lightly, something inside me said, God, that's the way that I want to live. And it set me on a journey of discovering those unforced rhythms of grace, what it means to work with God, not just for God, in partnership with him, responding to his initiative. Are you tired? It says, yes, I was constantly tired. Are you worn out? Yes, I was very weary. Burned out on religion? Almost. But here I found the answer in the example in the teaching of Jesus. Next slide, please. So is self-care valid? Well, just look at Scripture as a whole. Psalm 23, that wonderful psalm. Uh, which says this, he restores my soul. He makes me to lie down in the green pastures and by those still waters. And uh, the soul needs time to be restored. When you're in ministry, you're giving out all the time, but you need time to receive. And the good shepherd leads us in such a way that our souls can be restored. We can be refreshed. We can be renewed. And that's how we sustain ourselves in the long haul of ministry proverb says, guard your heart, look after your inner being. Uh, Philemon talks about those who refresh the hearts of the saints. And Paul benefited from such people who welcomed him into their home and who gave him that kind of refreshment that they need. Uh, One Corinthians talks about three, three men and those three men are named who whose ministry seems to have been to serve others and, uh, and uh, to refresh them. Uh, and that ministry was going on even in the New Testament church. Next slide, please. At Romans chapter 16, we read about a man called Gaius and his ministry of hospitality. Hospitality is giving space to other people. And how blessed we are that there are people who open up their homes and who establish centers, retreat places, uh, places where you can go uh, to be refreshed and renewed. Because it's essential in ministry, and it's right there in the Scripture, in that New Testament church that was so full of activity, expanding left, right, and center, and yet making, establishing places where people could be refreshed. I love the fact that Paul, when he was in prison, writes and says, you know, send Mark to me and tell him to bring some blankets and some books and something to write on. He was cold, he wanted blankets, not of this kind of macho spirituality which says, I don't need a blanket, I'm strong and I can survive the cold. No, he says, bring me some blankets, I need some comfort, I want some books to read to stimulate my mind, I want something to write on because I've got thoughts that I want to share with others. Paul says, watch your life closely. In Ephesians, he says, be very careful how you live. Be very wise in the way that you live, in fact, is what he says. And sometimes we don't give attention to the way that we're living. It's part of self-care that we stop and actually consider our ways. And of course, the great statement in in the Old Testament and New Testament is that we should love God and we should love others even as we love ourselves. To love ourselves is not being selfish. It is the way that we care for ourselves ourselves so that we can continue to love other people. Next slide. And then there is the wisdom of lived experience and people like Ross and Christina and myself, we've been in Christian ministry all our lives, 50 years or more, and you learn things as you go through life. And, and you, learn, you learn this, that it's not just a question of starting off. Anybody can start with a lot of enthusiasm But only those who know how to pace themselves can continue right to the very end, to be like the Apostle Paul and says, I have finished the race to get to the very end. And I just want to share with you some quotations that I I find very challenging. This uh, first uh, tour from a man called Stephen Smith, who is in Canada and cares uh, for missionary people. He says, he writes this, We steward our souls by caring for them well. How can we continually give what we do not have? Caring for the soul is an act through which God can replenish your heart, restore your soul, and revive your day so that you can meet the challenges of life, work, and relationships. That's the essence of what we're talking about. Next slide. A second quote from Stephen Smith. He says this, we forfeit our souls every single time we choose to drain ourselves and to not replenish ourselves, to run on empty rather than stopping and intentionally doing the things that will bring us life. Burn out rather than live meaningful, significant, and impactful lives that are enjoyable and life-giving to others you see you, you 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 forfeit your soul is what he's saying you do damage to yourself when you try to run on empty when when you you stop doing the things that give life to you when you allow yourself uh, to burn out next slide please the wisdom of lived experience and here's something from a, a man called thomas merton a monastic but who had a great insight actually into how to care for yourself. He says this, to allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help everyone is to succumb to violence. This is a violence against the self, it's against your soul, it's against your heart. Sometimes people self-harm, don't they? They cut themselves with razors or sharp implements to deaden the pain. But kind of doing too much, having too many demands, committing yourself to too many projects, actually is a form of violence against yourself. It will damage your soul in the long term. And we need to take note of the way that we're living and whether we're actually being over- committed, doing more than God has asked us to do. Uh, One writer says you can be driven beyond the call of God. And sometimes that's what happens. We are driven in what we do, and we go way beyond what God is asking us to do. So is self-care valid? It most definitely is. We're not talking about being lazy. We're not talking about being selfish. Some people do get like that, and and they need uh, the encouragement to give themselves a bit of a, a lift. No, what we're talking here about those people, the majority of us whose tendency is to be overcommitted, to try and do too much and to neglect themselves in the process at great personal cost. So is self-care valid? Yes, it is indeed. Uh, next slide, please. I'll let me just uh, very quickly mention some danger signals. If, if you find yourself in this place, then it's time to take note of your life. If some of these symptoms are are kind of found in in your life at the moment, it's, it's a warning sign to you to take note of your life. Here's some danger signals that you're over committed, you're over functioning. You have a persistent pattern of broken sleep. That is sometimes you can't get to sleep, other times you wake up early in the morning and that's a persistent pattern, not just for a short period, but that's how it is. Uh, and, and as a result of that broken sleep, you live with feelings of fatigue and low motivation. Whereas once you, you were highly motivated, now you have, almost have to drag yourself to do things. You go on holiday, but you come back and you still feel tired. You have not been refreshed because you are, your resources are so low, even a holiday doesn't make a difference. You tend to be operating on a short fuse. That is, you're very irritable, especially towards your loved ones at home. Before other people, publicly, you may keep up an appearance. But at home, you know how irritable you really are. Next slide, please. You feel overwhelmed and you feel ready to quit. Even perhaps today, that's how you feel. You feel ready to quit. you you have a procession of minor illnesses uh, because your body tells you when things are not right. Somebody said to me yesterday, your body is smarter than your mind. And if you know your body and understand your body, if you're persistently getting sick, you need to look at the way that you're living life as well. And of course, a, a sad sign of being overloaded is that you feel resentful of others, you feel very put upon, you feel self-pity you feel that you're a victim you're doing all the work and others are not you're carrying too much load and you become very cynical so if you notice some of those things today is for you uh, and it's a a warning sign that you need to make some adjustments well let's look at some of those adjustments let's uh, have the next slide please yeah just answering this question well how are you doing how are you doing Uh, the first thing is this, review your energy level. How is your energy? Do you feel that you've got enough energy to do what you need to do today, that you kind of meet the day with a freshness and a vigor? Or do you actually meet the day with a sigh and feel, oh no, I've got all this to do today? How is your energy level? When you drive a car, you look at the fuel gauge, you can see, is it empty? Is it a quarter full? Is it it very full. Keep it topped up. Uh, we've mentioned already that I used to do some work with Mission Aviation Fellowship. Uh, they fly planes into the remote areas, taking missionaries and health workers and so on. And uh, I had the privilege to fly many times with the pilots. And uh, one day a pilot said to me, he says, uh, Tony, the difference between flying a plane and driving a car is this. If you run out of fuel in a car, it's an inconvenience. But if you run out of fuel in a plane, it's a disaster. And uh, that's why they were always kind of taking fuel on board whenever we stopped. And I asked him, why are you always taking fuel on board? Because you don't know when the next fuel will be available. And we need to take fuel on board. We need to re-energize ourselves and find those things that do that for us. Review your energy level. Number two, establish healthy boundaries. Be able to say no to something so that you can say yes to what God really wants you to do. The reason that some of us become overcommitted is because we don't have any boundaries in our lives. Uh, We don't actually know what is the one thing we should be doing, what our priorities are. And therefore, we get pulled in all kinds of directions, but we have to learn to say no, it's not always easy. I don't find it easy to say no. I love opportunities, new opportunities, uh, good opportunities. And sometimes I get pulled beyond my boundaries and it's not a good place to be because that's how you become over committed. Let's move on, please. Number three, know the difference between your load and your limits. If you get into a lift, always have a look. There'll be a plaque sign, and it will say something like this. This lift can carry six people. Well, if you get in that lift, just count the number of people who are in. If there are seven, step outside, because that lift has a limit. And if it's overloaded, it will get stuck, and it's not a good place to be, stuck in a lift with people that you don't know, in a crowded lift. So know the difference between your load and your limits, because you are designed to carry a certain load. Don't compare yourself to other people. They have a different load. You must know what your load is and what your limits are, so that you don't push yourself beyond the way that God has created you to be. Here's another quotation. It is God the Creator who has made limits, And it is the same God who placed them within us for our protection. We exceed them at our peril. So the great danger is, of course, we are comparing ourselves to other people. And sometimes for those who are in leadership and top leadership, they are high achievers. They have a great capacity and ability to work and to work hard. But it doesn't mean that everybody around them has the same capacity. And, and sometimes organizations can be dysfunctional because from the top, there is a great expectation of the way that everybody should operate. And they get those people get pushed beyond their natural limits. We have to understand ourselves and the load that we can carry. Related to that, Ruth Haley Barton says this, our unwillingness to live within limits both personally and in community, is one of the deepest sources of depletion and eventual burnout. You see, a whole community can be living dysfunctionally. In this country, we're just coming out of lockdown and churches are beginning to look forward to meeting together again. Uh, But we're coming out after a whole year of that, and many people are tired and fatigued and exhausted. And and some of us have been exhorting churches Be careful, don't try to hit the ground running, build up slowly because people are already exhausted. And those in leadership are very exhausted after the last 15 months. Uh, So we we have to build up slowly uh, because even as communities, we can push ourselves too hard as churches, as mission organizations. How are you doing? Next slide, please. Learn to live with some margin. Margin is different to boundaries. Boundaries is kind of limiting what you do. But margin is leaving some space within your life for the unexpected. So physically, we need some margin. Uh, We we mustn't use all our energy because there may be the unexpected thing that comes. and, And if we're already tired out, we won't be able to carry that emotionally, mentally, spiritually. We need to live with some some margin to to give ourselves some room to breathe. So we mustn't commit ourselves to everything. We must manage our diaries quite carefully so that there is some space for the unexpected. Point five is this. Know yourself to be kind to yourself. Excuse me. sometimes sometimes we're better at giving grace to other people than we are to ourselves and uh, we need to know ourselves and understand how we work for instance the difference between being an introvert and an extrovert extroverts are actually energized by being with other people they get a buzz from it whereas introverts are drained from it if you're more of an introvert then you need more time and space alone, and that's quite legitimate. It, <clears throat> if you need an ex, if you're an extrovert, you do need to be with people, and that will energise you. But you have to be careful. Your danger is that you take on too much, simply because you love being with people. And even extroverts have to learn how to have solitude, how to step back <clears throat> from the demands and the pressures, or the excitement and the buzz that you get. So know yourself and be kind to yourself. And finally, learn to work from a place of rest, which means remembering that this is God's work. He is the one who is working, and he invites us to join in with him. He is the initiator. We are the responders. We don't have to make everything happen. The burden is not upon our shoulders. It is his work, not mine. So you can actually learn to work from a place of rest. So how are you doing? Next slide, please. So some ways by which we can uh, kind of build in that margin and those boundaries uh, in our lives. The first is this, to practice the discipline of stopping. This has been so, so very important to me. This little sentence has guided my life for the last 10, 15 years. And I commend it to you, the discipline of stopping. Stopping is pausing for a few minutes or a few hours or a few days to remember who I am, why I am here, and to receive strength for the next part of the journey. Let's unpack that, really. Why do we stop? The discipline of stopping, of pressing the pause button. First of all, to remember who I am. That is my identity. Uh, Because identity is crucial to our being. I must know who I am. I don't get my identity through my achievements or through my productivity. I get my identity through who I am. Who am I? I am God's deeply loved child. I don't have to prove that. I don't have to earn that. It's not some reward I get for hard work. It's who I am. And when I know that I am deeply loved by God, then I am free to love other people. Then I have the capacity and the resources to love other people. But I need to keep stopping to remind myself that's actually who I am. I'm not getting my identity out of what I do. I'm getting my identity from who I am before God, God's deeply loved child. That's identity. The second reason we stop is to ask this question, why am I here? In other words, my statement of purpose. What is it that God wants me to do? And sometimes, of course, that purpose is changing and we go through times of transition and we have to find our purpose all over again. That's why we need to stop and think about it and ask this question, God, what is it that you want me to do? When I know what you want me to do, then I can live accordingly, and that helps me to establish my boundaries and to keep that sense of margin in my life. But if I don't know why I'm here, if I'm not clear about my purpose, then I'm sure to get overwhelmed. So identity, purpose, and then the third thing is renewal or refreshment to receive strength for the next part of the journey. And sometimes it's in stopping that our soul is able to be recharged as it were your soul needs stillness it needs silence it needs solitude and if those elements are missing from your life then your soul will increasingly become threadbare it will be like a carpet that has been walked upon day after day after day so it becomes bare in the middle receive strength for the next part of the journey So that's why we stop, sometimes for a few minutes, even in a busy day, sometimes for a few hours, when we step aside in the course of our ordinary week, and we enjoy Sabbath, and I'm going to mention that in a moment. And sometimes for a few days, that's what we call retreat, when I step back, find a quiet place to go, maybe to be with others, or maybe to be alone, and just to reflect on these questions of my identity, my purpose, and my resources for living. I commend you that discipline of uh, stopping. It is uh, really, really important, and you can build it into your life, and it is a God-given discipline. We've seen it in the life of Jesus, and uh, we know that it works, and it's really important. Uh, Next slide, please. So then the practice of uh, Sabbath, and... uh, Sabbath rest is really important, and it is God's permission to us uh, to take a break, to have a rest. Most of us need someone to tell us. We are very conscientious people. We are very highly committed. We love what we do, and therefore we tend to work very hard. And if there is nobody to challenge us, then we will just keep working, working, working. But we're not a machine we are human beings, and we need to rest. And the interesting thing about creation is that the crown of creation was the day of rest, was the Sabbath. Uh, in Genesis uh, chapter uh, chapter 2, right at the beginning, we see that when God had finished creation, he rested. It says this, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. He didn't rest because he was tired or exhausted. He rested in order to give us a pattern to build into the rhythm of creation the fact that we need to rest. So verse 3 says, and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. So when you rest, it is a way of blessing, and you're also being quite holy. You don't need to feel guilty about having Sabbath rest, because on a On it he rested from all the work of creating that uh, he had done. And so that principle of Sabbath was there right in creation. And then it was incorporated into the Ten Commandments. In other words, the Ten Wise Ways of Living Your Life. And we read about it in Exodus where we're told to remember the Sabbath. And the connection there is made to creation itself itself. That because God rested, we too should rest, and we should keep the Sabbath daily. And not just us, but the people in our homes and even our animals and so on should have that day of rest. It's a very important principle as far as God is concerned for our health and our well-being and our effectiveness and our fruitfulness. And then Deuteronomy chapter 5, when uh We read about the Ten Commandments for the second time. There it's slightly different. and It talks about observing the Sabbath. That is finding ways of obeying the Sabbath command, of keeping the Sabbath. And there the principle goes back to the Exodus, when they were brought out of slavery in Egypt and brought into the freedom and spaciousness of the Promised Land. And that's a reminder to us that we are not to live like slaves. We began with this thought that God is not like Pharaoh, he's not a slave driver. We are servants, but we are not slaves. In fact, Jesus said, didn't he, no longer do I call you servants, but I have called you friends. And we're not to live as if we are being driven by a slave driver. If there is no possibility of rest, slaves do not expect rest. They have to work every day, but you're not a slave. You have this gift of Sabbath rest, which is really important to us. Uh, Next slide, please. So how do we keep the Sabbath? How do we keep Sabbath? Well, two things, really. It's not so much about a particular day as about a spiritual principle. Yes, many Christians keep Sunday, the first day of the week, as their Sabbath day. But if you're involved in Christian ministry, particularly if you're involved in church life, Sunday will not be a day of rest for you. You can take your day of rest at another time. Some people live in in countries where Sunday is not a generally recognized holiday. It's more Friday. Uh, Well, you can have your Sabbath on Friday. It doesn't matter which day. It's a principle. It's a spiritual principle. And the principle is this, that out of Every week, you should have one day as a day of rest, and that that should be the first day, as it were, of your week, and you should work out of that place of rest. But the second thing I want to say is is that it's not about a legalistic observance. You have to do this, but it's about a spiritual practice. So it may not always work for you. Some days, some periods of time are busier than others. Well, you don't worry about that but you make sure that it is a spiritual practice that you observe as often as you can and as freely as you can and a practice that you delight in and that you see the importance of it. And it becomes a very special day for you when you recognize that this is what will give life to you. So what we're saying is this, that Sabbath, as a principle, as a practice, gives us our pattern for a healthy and sustainable approach to life and ministry we're to work from rest not into rest rest is the foundation for work not the reward of our labors that's so important because many of us we work 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 and then we when we can do no more work we say oh i need a day off i'll have a rest but that's the wrong way Uh, Sabbath is different. Sabbath is your starting off point. And it starts off from you taking time to connect with God, to worship with him, to remember who you are, why you're here, receive strength from him. That's your Sabbath principle. And then having rested and then having reconnected with God, then having received his strength, then you can go into the world and do your work. It's the first day, not the last day whichever day of the week it is, it is the foundation stone. Uh, Next slide, please. Again, a principle that has changed my life completely was reading this little uh, statement from uh, Watchman Nee in his wonderful little book uh, called Sit, Walk, Stand. You know Watchman Nee, the great Chinese Christian. And and he said this, uh, writing about in Ephesians actually, he says, whereas God worked six days and then joined enjoyed his Sabbath rest, Adam began his life with the Sabbath. For God works before he rests, while man must first enter into God's rest, and then alone can he work. In other words, Adam started life with a day off. He was created on day six. His first day was Sabbath. It was a day off, a holiday. That's a good way to live. And it's the way that God intends us to live. We start with a day off because the work has been done. That applies to salvation, and it replies, applies to how we live our lives. As you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so live in him, Paul says. How did I receive him? By faith. He'd done all the work, and I receive it by faith. And the same with serving God. God goes first. He's the initiator. He does the work, and I respond to what he is doing, and I join in partnership with him. But uh, our first day is always the day of rest. And it reminds us that this is God's work. I can stop because God continues. I can rest because the work is his responsibility. It's really important to know this. Then one of the best books on uh, Sabbath is written by a lady called uh, Marva J. Dawn. It's called Keeping the Sabbath Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And she says this, to keep the Sabbath holy means to recognize that the rhythm of six days' work and one day of ceasing work is written into the very core of our being. So just to finish, one more slide, I think. And that's the importance of leisure. You may not give much heed to leisure. We have a great theology of work, but not necessarily a theology of leisure. Well, listen to Psalm 46, verse 10. Can we go back to the slide? Uh, the slide is just gone. Can we go back to the slide, uh, Adam? Okay, there it is. Yeah, Psalm 46, verse 10. The message translates it like this. You will know it as be still and know that I am God. But the message translates it like this. Be at leisure and see that I am God. Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. Leisure. We need to build into our lives time for rest and relaxation. Sometimes when you're very tired, all you can do is rest. That's the first level. Then when your energy returns, then you can do some recreation. You can do things which are also giving life to you. But they, they require you to put some effort into them, swimming or playing sport or doing the garden or what have you, rest, recreation. And then we also need some play. We need some downtime, some time just to have a good laugh and uh, to be re-energized by socializing with other people. Don't be afraid of building leisure in as part of your self-care. It's really important that you can rest and you can relax and you can play and you can have fun. And just to finish with a statement by uh, John Chrysostom, one of the early Christian fathers, he said this, speaking about his bow and his arrows, he said this, the bow that is never unstrung will quickly break. That's why leisure is important to us. If you're always geared up for work, if you're always living under stress, if the adrenaline is always flowing in your life, you're going to do yourself damage. The bow sometimes needs to be unstrung. And, uh, and you need to have some leisure. So here are just my thoughts for you about self-care. I believe these are really important, and I hope you can take these things and learn to live by them. I'm going to hand back to uh, Ross and Christine so we can uh, have some questions. I did see that there were some questions coming in. Uh, so we, uh, <clears throat> uh, we can uh, answer some of those if there is time.
1: Okay, we need to... Uh... Uh, I haven't introduced Adam. Adam is the brains and the muscle behind all of this. He's the admin guy, does a fantastic job. So Adam, I need you to do a fantastic job here. Um, How are we going to get the questions? There were a couple, I think. Um,
2: I uh, I can see some myself. Shall I answer the ones that I can see, Russ?
1: The one that begins, QN, we know who that one. Can you see that?
2: I can see one that says, what can we do for someone who does not want to recognize the dangerous symptoms from Rosemary? Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Off what, you go.
2: What, yeah. Well, some people, of course, don't want to recognize the symptoms because uh, to many people, it seems like failure to admit that that you're struggling, that you can't keep up uh, the pace and so on. So we have to be very gentle and patient uh, with such people. Um and some people instinctively know that if they do admit their need uh, and, and, and ask for help, they, they kind of feel uh, some, somewhat ashamed, ashamed of that. And they instinctively know that underneath their busyness, they are hiding from something because busyness is often a cover-up really for pain and hurt. And, and sometimes we can only make the breakthrough when we when we acknowledge the pain that drives us to be so very very busy um, so we have to be very uh, gently I love that verse that I read from Isaiah 40 that the good shepherd you know he, he deals gently so gently uh, with us and sometimes we have to be very patient and understand that this busyness is often a, a defensive layer that people create for themselves uh, because of their inner pain and um, and it's the same reason that many people are afraid of stillness and silence, because when you're still in silent and in solitude, you meet yourself. And some people are not happy to meet themselves. <laughs> um, they'd rather avoid themselves. So I think that's why sometimes God allows us to experience burnout, because when you experience burnout, you come to the point where you can sustain the defense mechanism no longer and, and you're able to receive the help that you need. And sometimes that help is not just about adjusting your priorities. It's actually about dealing with the pain that's inside. Um, so be aware of that, that when somebody is resistant to the offer of help, it is because, probably it's because, that they have some pain inside them and and there will be a right time for that pain to surface and and to be dealt with. So you can't force this upon People, all you can do is set an example, model it to them, create an ethos, a climate where we are not driven and we don't expect people uh, to work beyond their limits. That's all all we can do. Okay, Tony, let
1: let me lead in to another one from Rosemary here. Uh, We know who and what God is like, but many leaders are often type A people who are driven and ambitious to achieve and accomplish results quickly. How do you practice self-care when you're working for a leader who does not believe in self-care for himself? And I'm thinking actually of a conference in China I was speaking at and listening to guys speaking about their particular leaders, uh, they would have raised this same question. Yes, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, It's one that often... uh, comes up and uh, uh, i mean the short answer to that is change organizations isn't it and uh, get out from there uh, and uh, i mean i do notice this it happens in large churches as well as organizations sometimes in large churches the the, the people at the top have created a large church because of their work ethic uh, and uh, because uh, of their gifts and so on but it's really the people under them who suffer and uh, again, for, for me, the choice is to choose uh, where, where you work and where you minister. And if that is driving you into the ground and if it's spoiling your health and it's spoiling your relationships, it's not really the place uh, for you to be. It's not easy to change the culture of an organisation, um, uh, particularly a successful one. Uh, an organization's uh, like that are often very driven, and, and their purses, purpose statements are, are very big and strong. And, well, if, uh, if, if you see that it's not doing you any good, I would be asking God to give you um, a way out, really, or alternatively to, you know, to, <clears throat> to ask and, um, and, and find help even within the organization. To, to raise the question, but sometimes it's not, not a very, uh, it's not welcomed, such uh, questioning is not uh, welcomed. I, I remember talking with a, a lady in a very large church who who said, you know, she couldn't keep it up any longer. And, and so I said to her, well, go and talk to your senior leader. And she went and she said, you know, I'm just uh, kind of stressed out. And his answer was, well, we're all stressed. You just have to do it. <laughs> no compassion or sympathy there, uh, really. So it's not actually easy to sure. yeah, to, to change the culture of a church. So sometimes you have to look somewhere else if it's doing damage to you.
0: Thanks, Tony. Um, so there's one here from Carmen. Um, as someone who grew up as a missionary kid and is now a missionary, I know firsthand the necessity of missionary support and I now have a passion for it but I lack training and experience. What training do I need to be able to practice missionary care well?
2: Yeah. Well, I, I guess people like myself and like Ross and Christine, we've we've learned the hard way from our experience uh, and our failures and, and seeing others um, experience pain and burnout. So we're, we're kind of self-taught. But nowadays, in, in the last 10, 15 years or so, there are lots of uh really good courses available where you can learn about uh, member care or self-care and uh, I I can only speak from this country but there is you can do an MA in what's called member care which is you know caring for people in ministry uh, from uh, All Nations Christian College it used to be called Redcliffe College but uh, they've merged together with All Nations Christian College and they're just developing a uh, new course there. And I know there is some available in the States. Uh, so there are courses that you can do and some you can do online, I think. But th- there is a lot of uh, courses uh, av- available uh, out there. I mean, people like, I can see Belinda's here as well. Uh, Belinda might be able to put something in the message, uh, but or maybe, can you speak Belinda for a minute? Can you put your mic on? I, you, you will know from Southeast Asia better
3: than I can um, Yeah. Uh, Harry Hoffman, global member care network has yes. uh, developed a online course called care and into the second year. So that's one, of course, um, the Asian network has, uh, some conferences, but now with COVID it's not possible, but there are also, um, books available. Uh, Larry Gardner is a good one. And I know, uh, um, what's her name? Um, from Indonesia, Hannah. Honey, uh, honey. honey. Honey, book honey. Book is. Uh, is yes. yes. She,
1: yes. Is, so so there are resources
3: call. out there. Yes. yes. So uh, we, we tap from all over, and the benefit of COVID is that we can come online. So yes. we, we, it's a lifelong uh, learning. And I yes. am, uh, myself have uh, embarked on the MA. Uh, through Radcliffe. So so it's ongoing and so there are many resources out there. Books are great help too. And then being together with other uh, caregivers is a way to learn too.
2: Yeah, great. Great answer, Belinda. Better than my answer. Thank you. (laughs) I I knew it would be.
0: Okay, another question from Rachel. Um, What does self-care look like as parents of young children? Any advice to those that are in ministry with little people?
2: Yes indeed and, and there's no doubt that it is the hardest stage of uh, life and uh, my wife and I had two children. they were born during our time in, in Malaysia and, uh, and and one of them would never sleep <laughs> um, and it, it was really uh, that was really a very very difficult time and you have to recognize that that is a period of your life and that you have to cut down what you can do. Uh, and accept those limitations you can't do everything and you sometimes the most important thing is to focus on your children so you yeah. have to be kind and compassionate to yourself and, and not take on don't compare yourself to single people who uh, or people who don't have children uh, you yeah. can't you can't do the same amount that's kind of not possible and and then another thing and this helped us greatly was to look for aunties and uncles who would uh, um, help with your childcare. Sometimes you may be in in a situation where there are grandparents around. That's my particular role these days. My daughter's working full-time and so is her husband. And often I take the children just to give them a break and and help them to sustain themselves. That's where sometimes there are grandparents or they can be aunts and uncles during our time in Malaysia. We had uh, many aunts and uncles in the church who delighted to take our children uh, and, uh, and have some time with them. So that was a, a, a great uh, relief and uh, release for us. But uh, I think the, the most important thing is to be kind to yourself, to recognize that these are the hardest days. It does get easier uh, and you will come through, uh, but, but you have to know your limits. We've set, talked about knowing your limits. And, and when you have small children, you have uh, many limits. Maybe Ross and Christine uh, want to say something about that uh, as well.
1: Ross won't because he got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll move on to the next question. We'll to the next question. <laughs> uh, I, th- I would say, Tony, that almost every person, well, not like you, like me, looking back says, I wish I'd done it differently. I wish to give the kids more time. But yeah, well, yeah. we serve a God of grace, not a pharaoh, as you yeah. write this time. Yes,
2: that's right, yeah. And
1: but he's done amazing work. Okay, another question. And you we're getting short, we're getting so short, yes. you're yeah. going to have to give uh, reasonably short answers. Yeah. A full-time worker once said to us, this is CK, uh, who's asked this question. A full-time worker once said to us that we are invincible until the Lord brings us home. The version I heard is <laughs> we're invincible until our work is done. Uh, what are your thoughts on this?
2: Uh, well, I, I mean, I don't agree with it at all. Um, not in- <laughs> <laughs> That's the short answer. We're not invincible. We are vulnerable. And uh, we continue to be vulnerable, and our frailty is part of our humanity, and God respects and knows, uh, and knows that. And uh, if we think we're invincible, we will be uh, heading for a big, uh, a big crash. Uh, Paul said that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And uh, because we are weak, we depend on his grace, and, and we know that his grace is sufficient. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we're invincible. Uh, and uh, in fact, Paul suffered greatly in his ministry, didn't he? So I would be very wary of uh, such uh, statements because uh, they're, they're not always uh, true or accurate.
0: Okay, one question here. How do you have Sabbath rest when you live in a 100% community culture, collective culture?
2: Yes, that's, uh... <laughs> that's a good one. Well, I, I, I mean, I think uh, the thing that Jesus did was to disappear, wasn't he? And uh, uh, I remember asking uh, a pastor in, uh, in, in, in Africa uh, how he coped with the constant demands. And he said, we close the door. And when people see the door is closed, they know not to come because we, we do need rest as well. And so he closed the door. Normally in that culture, the door was always open, but he learned to close the door or he would go somewhere else Uh, Where he was not available. And that is the principle that uh, Jesus used. You can be alone even in a crowd. Uh, You you, you can have your own thoughts and you can um, uh, think, yeah, you you, you can commune with God wherever you are. Um, But sometimes you just have to get away from the the kind of immediate demands and find even a quiet place, go for a walk. just be where people don't know where you are. That's what Jesus did. That's the surprising verse in John 12, I think it is. Jesus hid himself. Sometimes maybe you've got to hide yourself. Uh, the Bible talks about going into your room, doesn't it, and shutting the door. Well, if mm-hmm. you have a room, go into the room and shut the door. Um, or, uh, okay, or, Tony,
1: uh, Tony yeah. I've got about a minute, and I want to finish with this one, actually, because we want to keep to time. But. Yep. Jackie has asked, and in a sense we've touched on this, but it'd be good just to finish on this. Jackie says, where can we find member care services that's kind of not training so much as services for field workers in an agency or an organization that does not provide such services?
2: Well, I think as uh, Belinda mentioned, there are lots of things online uh, uh, nowadays that you can uh, tap into. a resource that I've been using myself is called Olive Counseling. It's based in Turkey, and uh, they do most things online. And they have put on uh, probably once a month some really good teaching, uh, um, uh, you know, to build people up in, in their walk with God and to understand themselves better. That's Olive Counseling in Turkey. And and also there's a church in Malaysia that has put on some great um Member care uh, 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 sessions. I think uh, Jin Leong, who is on this, will will know it. I, I listened to a great piece on loneliness um, that came from uh, Malaysia and really blessed and helped me through uh, through uh, my own time of uh, of loneliness. So there's a lot of things out there online nowadays, wonderfully. So I think I would look for those kind of resources, uh, really. And and. I'm sure you will find them quite uh, easily.
1: Okay, our time's up, Tony. Um, I'd like to lead us all in praying for you. Yeah, if thank uh, you. Um, we won't do it the Asian way and have everybody at the same time, but <laughs> if, if everybody else but me, Tony, can stay on mute. Uh, Lord, I thank you for our dear brother. Lord, you know, because you're with him, Lord. I I, I love that thing from Moses that. Uh, you have been our dwelling place, Lord. It's not a, ultimately a tent or a land or a house. It's you who are our dwelling place, Father. And we ask in a new way you would, you would make that real to Tony in this time of loneliness, in this time of loss, mm-hmm. in this time of reorientating, Lord. Um, we thank you for our dear brother, Lord. Let your favor, let your grace, let your presence, let your rest be on our brother, we pray. Lord, strengthen him. We thank you for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Do you want to say anything about Field Partner, and then we're, we're done?
0: Yeah, I mean, Field Partner is uh, is just uh, a portal of resources. So part of um, what we would like to do is offer community would offer, offer links to other other um, places where you can get help. So do ask us um, to link you up or to find resources for you, or just see what, what you find on our site, um, www.fieldpartner.org. Um, thank you all very much for joining us. And um, yeah, and on Facebook too, we could give further um, events. There'll be other events coming up and there'll be, uh, we put up interviews as well and lots of other things. Ross does a daily devotional on Facebook, which you might want to follow. Some people are. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> watching Richard who who follows that daily. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, do stay on on the call if you want to, just to chit-chat. And um thank you very much for contributing to the chat. Thank you all of all of you for, for attending this call. And thank you very much, Tony. Yeah, and if you, you send
1: us personal messages and we didn't answer them, forgive us. But um I didn't want to get caught by Tony not paying attention. So <laughs> Thank you, Adam, in the background. Um, yes, uh, who's behind the Field Partner thing there. Thank you all. Uh, we're going to close formally, but you're perfectly welcome to stay online. And if you've seen a friend or someone you'd like to know and they're, they're around, or even Tony, uh, feel <laughs> free to talk to them. So we'll close it now. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from Field Partner. You can watch or listen to more interviews by subscribing to this channel our YouTube channel, or our Facebook page. For free cross-cultural mission courses, blogs, sermons, and other resources, visit our website fieldpartner.org.